Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and thanks for joining us to the West London Sport QPR podcast. Firstly, apologies for the uh, long wait for a new episode, a combination of factors including midweek fixtures and press conferences for other clubs on our patch, uh, the Cheltenham Festival, the busy Easter football schedule and uh, Rangers' truly abysmal form. I mean, we haven't been able to record since we discussed the win over Watford last month. In that time, QPR have quite frankly been awful, phoning in three of the worst results and performance for many years against uh, Blackpool, Birmingham and Wigan which was then followed by another disgraceful showing against a bang-average Preston side on Good Friday. Uh, these results have dragged QPR firmly into the relegation fight, and had it not been for Reading being docked six points for more FFP irregularities, then they've been the bottom three, uh, which is a shocking state of affairs when you consider this team was sitting in the top six on Christmas Day. Um, it looked like a similar tale of woe at the Hawthorns on Easter Monday when uh, West Brom raced into a 2-0 lead after 12 minutes uh, before Lyndon Dykes and Chris Martin secured a much-needed and well-deserved draw. Um, I'm joined once again by former QBR captain Kevin Gallon, and uh, and making his debut on the pod is a, a great friend and former colleague of mine, John Crowley. Uh, now, John and I started our journalist um, together many moons ago at the Irish Post, with uh, John then going on to hold uh, senior editorial roles at the Daily Mail, the Daily Telegraph, Newsweek and the Wall Street Journal. Um, you can now be found more regularly on the BBC Weekend News Show's discussing the front pages of the papers. Uh, in addition to all that, John's a long-time season ticket holder in the upper loft. And uh, John, welcome and thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for having me. Right, Kev, it's been pretty dire stuff since we last spoke. Um, but as I mentioned, a much-needed point and uh, arguably the best performance for some time against a West Brom side that hadn't lost at home since October. Did you see enough there to suggest that this could be a turning point, as uh, suggested by Gareth Ainsworth after the game? Um, not really, no, because I thought the turning point was Watford at home. I thought, obviously, that was a, a great three points, a much-needed three points, and I thought, you know, we would go to Blackpool and put up 
some sort of performance and try and nick a draw, at least get a point. But then what unfolded was, you know, an absolute shocker of a 90 minutes, followed by, quite frankly, the Birmingham game, which I watched um, on the TV at home. One, yeah, really poor performance. And it wasn't just the the, the, the result, obviously, was, was poor because I thought Birmingham were a very poor team. But the way we played, just things like Lyndon Dykes taking throw-ins, into long throw-ins into the box and just an all-round poor performance and then followed up by Wigan away where you've, they hadn't been paid for a while and you think they're bottom of the league and we can, you know, this is a, a massive opportunity and we've been here before where we played bottom of the bottom of the, bottom of the table teams and thinking, I can't, can't keep it, I can't do it again and a lacklustre uh, display and then I went to the game against um, Preston on Friday and it was another poor performance and I watched the game against West Brom Obviously, the start was horrendous, but we did show a bit of fight. Lyndon Dykes scored a fantastic header, fair play to him. And we got a little bit of luck with the with the goal, but sometimes you make your luck by when you work a bit harder and you close down a little bit more. And Chris Martin done well to block the, the goalkeeper's kick. And in the end, we could have nicked it in the end, but I'm not convinced yet. I will be if we can get a three points against Coventry, if we can... Get three points against Coventry, I, I really do believe we'll stay up. But it's a big if, because I feel QPR, once they play against a team that sort of tries to outwork them and outstrength them. And West Brom didn't. I thought West Brom were poor on the day. They didn't have to do much to score their goals. But also, I didn't really see what they were trying to do. And they were a little bit soft. And QPR sort of dominated the, the second balls and, and done well in that aspect of the game. So I'm just wondering what kind of, um, you know, uh, tactics uh, Coventry will play. I'll be a bit worried if Coventry go really physical because I feel we're, we're a bit wanting when that happens. And the game we did beat against uh, Watford was was very similar. We we outworked um, them and we out-battled them. And Watford were, you know, they're in, they're in turmoil as well. I just feel if we come up against a team like a Coventry, that will put it right on us. I think we might struggle, but I'm hoping we can get something out of the game. Okay. John, you were also at the, the Preston game on, on Friday. I know we, we spoke after and, uh, you know, you were pretty angry really from, you know, when I did speak to you about what you saw, it was, um, you know, for me, I just thought it was, um, I mean, nearly his chair. That's that great chance. He, he should score really, but they never really looked like threatening Preston whatsoever. And, you know, this is a team they beat pretty easy up in, in well, it's one nil, but it was a pretty comfortable performance when they did been up there. But you know, what what did you what did you see from the game that kind of you know well disappointed you the most? It felt like Preston were on the pitch, were playing at home, and we were away. We had two chances, like chair on the break, got to hit the target. You know, any level. You know, my boy plays under 12 football and, you know, he's one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. You've got to test the keeper. You didn't do that. And the other chance that we had was when Chair again broke on a break, gave it to Willock, chose not to hit it on his left foot. If he was, you know, more confident, you know, feeling the goals, he would have hit it, took it on his right, somebody took it off him. And then really, we barely tested the keeper. For me, I, I mentally gave up, actually, after that. I just looked at Preston. I could feel it from the players, feel it from the crowd. It's like, we're, we're going down 
and then lo and behold you know typical qpr we go to west brom two nil down i was i was you know watching it on my phone going here we go and then we wrestle it back and but for you know does a volley you know just going a few yards short of their right upright we could have won it kind of three two and that's what you know as someone famous once said it's the hope that kills you uh, i agree with kevin uh, i don't think it's a it's a new dawn i think it's going to be very difficult against coventry uh, and norwich two massive games at home they're both pushing for promotion as as kevin says you know that they're going to work a lot harder um than west bromwich albion and i do fear for us and at home how many games have we lost at home 10 games at home this season where you know loftus road has normally been a fortress and yeah i just felt at the preston game the crowd kind of gave up you know the crowd was silent they weren't getting behind the team you know typically before when qpr are against it we throw you know we don't do anything for 80 minutes and then we you know we throw the kitchen sink we, 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 you know we didn't throw a kitchen sink we didn't throw a tap at them there was nothing that was there and we you know me and my boys walked out and we're thinking that's it we're going down now with with west brom hope springs the tunnel again but uh yeah it's a massive game it's a massive game on saturday as the last few games have been now gareth i was up at the hawthorns on on monday and gareth Haines was a great pains to point out afterwards that um well after the game on friday actually he was he kept him in the dressing room for nearly an hour after it took ages to come up for his uh for his post-match um press conference um and you know, you said that harsh words have been spoken and apologised for, for why you're so late. And then on on Saturday they're in for recovery, but they had like the, the in all day having meetings and discussions. He said after the game, the season's reset here. Now, Kevin, the, these you know there are different ways that managers do things to kind of motivate things. And after a bad performance, you hear about you know players being made to run this kind of thing. I mean, those days don't really happen anymore. But, you know, in, in a meeting like that, what do you think from a player's point of view? Do you think something like that would have been beneficial? Um, from what he said, it wasn't so much the coaches talking to their players. It was the players talking amongst themselves and saying, putting the responsibility on each other. Do, do those kind of things generally work? I mean, they can do. Um, it, it sounds like they had an open, open air meeting where, you know, players... Or probably maybe having a go at each other and saying you haven't pulled your finger out and this that and the other and that's all well and good as long as after the meeting you can all sort of get around and say well i've said my bit don't take it personally do you know what i mean and people go off in groups i've seen it in football people go off in groups and little clicks and they'll like backstab him and he'll backstab him and then that's when you get your fractures in 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 a team but, i mean we did on monday especially after their second goal, we actually got the ball down and played a bit. As in, the ball did go up a little bit. It has been, there's no doubt about it. We have gone a lot more direct. But once the ball did go direct and we got a hold of the second ball, we actually dominated a bit of possession, which we haven't done in the previous games and sort of took our time to put a cross in or, or put a through ball in or whatever, try and score where... In the previous games, it would be, we get the ball possession, we'll put it in the box straight away. And that, and that, and that hadn't worked. That's all well and good, you know, and to be fair, Lyndon Dykes, I thought, had a really good game on, on Monday. And he'd done all right on, uh, against Preston. 
because what he's done in because we've gone more direct and I noticed very uh, a lot against Preston that Seni Dieng hasn't rolled the ball out as often and he was from a goal kick he was kicking it long but what what Linda Dykes in the last couple of games is he actually can win a flick on now that's that's good but now you have to have runners off him and when you have Willock and Chair sort of as your two number tens they don't run off the ball they want the ball to feet and they want to play and they want to do interchanging with each other, which they were excellent at the start of the season. Down that sort of left wing style, they were dominating. They were creating so many chances and one-twos. So Willock was dropped for the game against West Brom. Obviously, I don't think the way we're playing suits him at the moment, but he went for a 4-4-2. We looked a little bit more solid. I was at the game against Preston with... And, and the games previously, we were playing three, three centre-halves, or we want to describe it as five at the back. And against Preston, we got overrun because we had too many at the back and we got overrun in midfield. And they had more more legs. And Stefan Johansson, to be fair, it looks like he's, he's coming to the end of his QPR career at the end of this season. He doesn't seem to have a leg, that he hasn't got the legs to play in a two with field. And what they did was they put uh, Amos in there, so when the ball does go up a little bit longer and it and it drops, he's got more athleticism and more pace and more energy to get hold of the second ball. But against, uh, I was chatting to a fan in the crowd on um, Friday. I said, "You've got to change even in the second half when it was two 0 You got to take a centre half off and put another midfielder on or something because we're we're conceding goals anyway with five at the back, and we're conceding goals with four at the back. Put an extra man midfield and we might get some goals back." So whether we're playing four at the back or five at the back, we're still conceding. We need to, if we're going to concede, which we have been regularly, we need to start scoring. And to do that, you've got to have an extra man in going forward. And um, regarding the, the long meetings, it can have a good effect. It can, um, I mean, they're talking about reset this, but I thought they were resetting, you know, again after the Watford game. So, look, talk is cheap. We get a win on... Uh, against Coventry on Saturday and then I'll, we'll come back next week and I say, yeah, well, that meeting worked and a win against and we stay up and I say, well, that meeting worked because after the pressing game, as John said, I walked out of that ground thinking we're doomed unless something drastic happens. Mm. Yeah. I mean, interestingly, he, I mean, he went to a flat back four on at the Hawthorns and Jimmy Dunn playing as a, as a, as a right back, which, you know, I, I, I None of us, I think, would have seen coming. Um, I guess it worked to a degree, but I mean, he's not a natural right back. Um, you know, I think Kenneth Power against Preston, he, he it almost looked like he wasn't being. He was told not to push on too much. You start of the season, you had like when Willock had the ball, they'd be on that overlap. So I remember I saying Kevin that you know Willock never gives him the ball, but he was always there under Mick Bill. They were the fullbacks were really aggressively pushing up high and. That and Ian, really I used to say to him that when 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 that happened, and I told you that the reason why Kenneth Powell would do that overlap was because then the right back has a decision to make: do I go mm. with a runner, which then creates half a yard for Willock to come in or chair on their favourite right foot and get a, a shot in? That's the real. He was basically just doing a decoy run, mm. which creates space for Willock and chair. But yeah, I agree totally. He didn't he didn't bomb on. And and in midfield, it was noticeable that you know Preston's three-man midfield, Brown, um, 
Whiteman and um, Johnson were, you know, had the run of it really. Um, you know, um, Johansson did look sort of out of legs, as you say. Um, and they just got outworked in midfield, and that was really was it. And then when Brown went off and Josh Ronimer come on, you know, he's quite a decent player. You know, they got better from him anyway, he's pressing his midfield. And it just seemed a matter of times where they scored. That was the worrying thing for me. And, you know, we know we knew when Ainsworth was getting the job, there was going to be a change of style. You know, they were going to be more direct. And I mean, I've said, I think I said before in here, like, you know, a long ball's not a sin. Sometimes it works, but. It, I mean, John, do, do you agree? It, that does seem to me a little bit like sometimes the midfield's just being bypassed. Just get it for, and particularly against yeah, Birmingham, which, I mean, for me, the Birmingham game was more upsetting than the Blackpool game because Birmingham are a terrible team. And that was about as bad as it got for me. You know, if we're going to have, we've gone from the start of the season where we've got Willock and Chair playing lovely football to just lumping it as far forward as we can for Chris Martin to knock it down and hope someone runs onto it. And that was that's what really annoyed me against the Birmingham game. The West Brom game, it wasn't as direct. I don't think they were against Preston either. They weren't that overtly front to back. But I, I do wonder if this, you know, this direct style suits the players they got. Or do you just think it's a case of it hasn't worked since the turn of the year, so just try something different? So there's a couple of things going on. It's kind of getting over the line with the right kind of players. So he obviously fancies Jimmy Dunn. Jimmy Dunn seems to be a person who's going to be in the trenches. He makes mistakes. He's playing at right back. My my observation from the Preston game, and look, if Senny's going to knock it long, he's going to knock it long. He's under instructions. The thing that got me that was ripping my hair out was when it was coming back to the defence, when it was coming back to, to, to Jimmy um, and to you know the other defenders was that they were heading it out, smashing it straight out, rather than just taking it down on their chest. You know when they had time, and obviously that's confidence. You know where you know players are just scared of the ball. It felt our defenders were scared of the ball, and they were just heading it back to the opposition, or you know vo on the volley, it's coming in, they're volleying it back, and we were losing the ball. You know, and Mark Warburton, you know, always always a cliche network when he was speaking, be take care of the ball. We weren't taking care of the ball against Preston. It just felt we were giving it back to them so much. Mm. Just on the wing backs, I felt Ethan Laird said so we've spoken about this off off um off Cameron, but I, it, whether he's injured or whatever, didn't seem like he fancied it. Didn't seem like he really fancied it on on against the Preston game. And clearly Kenneth either was under instructions or if he's carrying injury as well, he was not going forward, notwithstanding what Kevin said about creating that space. You know, that's the point of playing three at the back so your wing backs can push up. Our wing backs hardly pushed up. And Ethan Lowe was sensational. He was sensational for us early on in the season, creating loads of chances. I said to you, we would never actually put a crossing. He would always, the Man United way, look for a pullback rather than kind of smashing kind of balls in from from the right wing and you know he's a young kid and he's up against it so uh, you know into, you know going back to you know what you're saying about how do we get over the line in the last five games you know we've got to look at who are the players are going to get us over the line the manager's got to think that and if you know he doesn't fancy Ethan Lerd and he fancies Jimmy Dunn at right back kind of so be it you've got to put your body on the line now talking of long ball if it's if it's not going to be pretty, it's not going to be pretty. And if Chris Chrissy doesn't fit into that, so be it. I thought actually he was our most kind of attacking player, if you can call that, against Preston. He was trying things; it didn't quite work out uh, for him. Interestingly, as, as Kevin was saying, 
Steph didn't play, did he? Against West Bromwich Alvin, he didn't come on. I really thought he was kind of overrun uh, against Preston. And when you're in the trenches, as said, with five games to go, you want your club captain kind of firing. He's not. I don't think he's got the legs in it. You know, he's brilliant where he can play in that quarterback role where he can spray it about. But now, you know, it's not about pretty football. It's about getting results. And, um, you know, that might stick in the craw for lots of QPR fans. We love playing football on the ground. We love playing it the right way. Um, but we've got to find a way to get it over the line. And if that means we're playing players slightly out of position, if that means Amos is not fully fit, but is a lot more mobile than Stefan comes in and can do a job. You said he was quite, uh, in the first 10 minutes, he didn't quite, wasn't quite up to speed, but got um, found his legs afterwards. So be it. it. It's not about pretty play anymore. It's about getting results. It's about getting over the line. But I still fear with Coventry. I, st- I really I really feel that they're going to do a job on us. But um, yeah, maybe it's for the back. Maybe that's the way we that we have to go. And as Kevin says, we get that extra midfielder kind of in play. And, you know, that old Kevin Keegan, uh, you know, thing, we're going to score more goals than you. We're going to concede, but let's try and score a few more goals. Hmm. So, John, uh, so what I feel that Gareth is going to do with Jimmy Dunn at the back and, and in, in the back four, and I had it playing with, when I was at Huddersfield, Lou Macari, he was the manager, good bloke, very old-fashioned way of thinking. And what he, and I feel this is what Gareth is going to do, is your back four, don't move from your positions. Jimmy Dunn, mm. you, you are not overlapping. Kenneth Powell, you are not, getting, you are not running past Ilias Chair on the left. Stay in your positions, get the ball, pass it to your wingers or your forward players and hold your positions. That's what I think the thinking behind that is. And don't concede at the moment. And that's, you know, John, regardless, Stephanie Hansen, I, I, I feel a little bit sorry for him on the game against Preston because his legs have gone a little bit. But he was playing in the two against the three. And there was an extra man, and I played in midfield before. And when they've got an extra man, you haven't got that energy and that legs. It's a hard graft. Yeah. But I mean, again, you have to look at that and go. If you watch Preston play, they play free in midfield. Why did why wasn't that combated before the game started? You know what was the, you know there's more analysts than NASA down there. Surely you know they look at videos and what have you is it is it just a case of they got that wrong gareth got that wrong kevin or is it a case of well well, yeah but i think the tactic was the tactic was bypass the midfield put the ball up there push on get the second balls but like i said willock and chair are not runners they ain't you they're not the guys this is where you know that style of football with them with that style of player doesn't really work because you flick the ball on, they're not runners after it. They want the ball to feed. And want, that's how that's when they're good players in that last third, the ball to feed and creating chances. They're not they're not really runners. I mean, they're just not. I mean, we, we can see that from the way they played the last two or three years. They're not run, you don't flick the ball on and have you ever seen the ball being flicked on on Ilias Chair and Chris Willett out sprinting the, at the back four of the opposition and scoring a goal? Not really. Don't really happen. And Gareth and Gareth Ainsworth is trying to find solutions on the hoof, isn't he? So he's got a team which is rock bottom in terms of confidence. He thought three at the back, 
bit of stability. We're conceding goals. Let's see what those wing backs can can do. It didn't work. And now he's, you know, he came up with another plan uh, against West Bromwich Albion, and at least it, you know, he got it over the line. Um, but you feel that, you know, Gareth is desperately trying to find a solution, desperately trying to find the right team. We spoke about Preston. That was probably the strongest team that we put out. You know, everyone was looking at that and going the first time in a while. We got the fullbacks back. You know, we got our captain back, and it and it didn't work. It patiently didn't work. So he's gone to a back four. Uh, you know, as as Kevin was saying, Jimmy Dunn, you know, he's under orders. It's like, don't concede. If you get the ball, make sure you you pass it to a so-called creative player in midfield and, you know, do your job and just be really solid at the back. Um, it, we were saying against Preston, the, the fans around us, we needed, you know, a banjo, you know, going off the backside or whatever. And it happened with Chris Martin. That was, you know, with the luck that we needed to, to kind of befall us. And thankfully, kind of that, that did, and it really chewed up the team, didn't it? Afterwards, you just need we just needed a little bit of luck. You feel that things, you know, particularly when you're down at the bottom, old cliche, you make your own luck, but things haven't been going your own way. But, you know, Chris Martin, you know, working really hard. You know, everyone says he hasn't got any legs left in him, but he, he ran to stop that ball, deflected off him, went in, and maybe we're being a bit greedy. Perhaps we could have even won it. Um, what the question I would ask is what, what team, what team would both of you kind of start? against Coventry would you start against the team that that start against West Bromwich Albion or do you do you try something different I mean that's a different a real really good question because if you're a manager and you get a good result and you've and you've like got your first point in what four or five games and there's a bit of a feel-good factor after the game and then you change it and you lose then you're going to get absolutely hammered and you have to be really brave to go and change the team that got the the point against West Brom because if it backfires now you're now you're getting it from all angles. So I would say he will if everyone's fit, he'll keep that same formation. That's yeah, I think I mean but Coventry a decent side. Uh, they were very worthy winners when Keep Up played up there in what was Mick Beale's last last game as manager in, in November. Um They've got a lot of pace about them up front. The boy Gyorka is, is a very good player. Yeah, he's a good player. And I bet um, you he parts himself in between Jimmy Dunn and Rob Dickey in that right, that left hand, yeah. that channel. Yeah, and he'll yeah. try and expose the lack of sort of legs in that channel. But he's a um, very good I mean he's 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 the he's the danger man. He's a good player. You know, and he doesn't do much else, but he, he you know, he's not a real worker, but he's quick and he knows where the back of the net is. And you know, they got a work on that and you know they're quite aggressive in the middle of the park so I mean I'd like to see I mean I think someone like Luke Amos needs games you know he played against uh, I think he played against Birmingham you know I wouldn't say pulled up any trees he looked really leggy I remember it, it gets, I think he rugby tackled someone chasing back to try and tackle him just his you know, lack of fitness you know hasn't played for months so and then was left out again and you sort of go Sometimes you just—I think players just need, to, need need the minutes and the belts. I thought Balligan looked a lot better against West Brom. I think you know Wigan—he was off the pace, gave away an early penalty, and you know he got caught in possession against Preston. And but but I think he, he again he just needs minutes. You need to play, and when you get the minutes in your legs, that's you kind of hope that you know that that will help them. Um, 
I mean, Sam Field again was outstanding against against West Brom. He's probably been QPR's best player for me this season. Um, but he's kind of fighting fires in there, you know. He was, you know, where would they be if he wasn't there? You know, he's kind of doing a one man job. But I mean, particularly against Preston, he was literally everywhere trying to, you know, stop the flow. And um, I thought maybe he should have changed that at half time. The manager, I think. You look at that, you can see what's happening. It was nil nil at half time. You've got to tweak things a little bit and go, okay, we're getting out battled here. But he didn't. They just left it as it was. And, you know, it seemed a bit of a formality, really. And again, this probably seems very critical, Gareth, but that's where managers make their money. You make changes at half time to solve a problem, you know, and then you can talk about character and leadership and yada yada as much as you want. But sometimes, sometimes you've got to, like, you know, you've got to, it is a bit of a, like a game of chess. You know, everything we said about Mick Bill, Mick Bill was very, very good at like identifying problems during games and moving players or switching things to, to, to kind of cover it. And I haven't seen that yet from Gareth Ainsworth. Um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's very early in his career and the, at QPR and, the you know, the team is struggling. But, you know, at some stage, there's a bit more to football than just character and part and passion and whatever. You, at some stage, you still got to be able to you know, work out how to, you know, eliminate the strength of an of, of an opposition, and not, you know, hopefully, against Preston, I get sorry, against Coventry, they can look at what Preston, Coventry are good at, and try and you know, and try and nullify it. But it's they're going to bring a lot of fans down. It's going to be quite a loud atmosphere there. It's the last Saturday home game of the season at, at Loftus Road, so and it's a game that Rangers have to win. Um, I mean, it was pretty toxic to be honest at the end of the Preston game. From the stands, and you, you can't really blame the fans. The fans have been pretty patient, but you know it wasn't. It must have been. I mean, if you haven't had that care, I mean, you you you've played at Rangers down in some bad times where, you know, the whole ground turns on the team. I mean, that must have been pretty difficult. Yeah, it's to be tough. In it is tough. <laughs> I don't blame the fans because you know was it two wins in twenty five, so mm. that was something to cheer about, and, uh, mm. and when they see recent performances people get frustrated and they want to they want to come down to QPR they, they pay good money they want to be entertained and they want to win games and the main always the main thing you know, I've said it so many times is just, they want to go in to work on a Monday morning or see their mates Saturday after a game and say we won we played this they, they want we all want that so when it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen for a long time people get frustrated and it well, yeah it was I mean after the second goal, there was a chant going on, and it was like, Ooh. I mean, I've, I've been in some bad situations at QPR in my crib. I've never heard like that chant, like, you're not fit to wear the hoops. I thought, wow, yeah. that's really turning now. That's turning big time. So they need to turn it around. They need to. Sorry, go on, John. I was going to say, what happens as a player when you hear that? So you're not fit to wear the hoops. You could see the players all yeah. turning to the R block where it was coming from. Do you think, screw you, we're trying our best, or you're like, we've let these guys down? Or does that depend on individuals? Or do, as a collective, do you need to say, look, they're kind of justified, you know, two wins in 25? Well, if it's the immediate reaction would be probably, screw you, we're doing our best. And then you go in and then you get a bollocking off the manager and then you're thinking, hold on a minute, you know, that could, that's obviously justified and we need to pull our fingers out. Hence uh, the big meeting on the Saturday. Um, but, you know, different characters, everyone's a different character. Some people give it, will think, 
I'll show you. All, all it takes is like after that is a, down the far end the, where the Ellerslie Road and the loft joins and someone makes a tackle or whatever. And mm. the crowd, really? So sometimes it was always, when I played, it was, you know, how do we get the crowd on side early doors? Obviously score goals, the best thing, but tackle, a shot and goal, you know, do something good. Sometimes you've got to get the crowd. Sometimes the crowd is a little bit subdued and you've got to get them behind you and you have to do one of those things. Goal, tackle, shot on goal, run or do some skill and, and then pe people get behind you. So sometimes the crowd is not right behind you at the start because it's a bit subdued and, you know, sometimes atmosphere is a little bit, a little bit subdued. So you've got to get them on side as quick as possible. And they're the things what you've got to do. So my advice, and, and I'm, I'm sure they've tried to do that, but it hasn't worked out because... I mean, they actually started the game off against Birmingham quite well, but within two, three minutes, they were 1-0 down. And it's like, the whole thing just gets deflated. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, starting well is obviously important. I mean, I thought they started OK against Preston, actually. I thought the first 15 minutes were, you know, quite good. And then, you know, Preston had some... I thought the first half was quite, a, quite an even sort of game, but you'd say Preston probably had... The better chances, but it, it wasn't. I just think, um, Ian Preston just dominated possession a little bit more than QPR, and you know, over the recent years, that hasn't really happened where QPR at home has actually dominated possession and had control of the game, and we didn't have control of the game at all. But QPR, look, Coventry will come, and this is what their manager will say: Don't concede in the first 15, 20 minutes; the crowd will turn because that's what everyone used to say when we used to go away from home. Look, mm. keep them quiet for twenty minutes, 25, 30 minutes. The crowd will turn because they're a bit hostile and then you go. So QPR need to get the, something going in the first 15, 20 to get the fans right behind them. Which mm. they'll be anyway. The fans will be but behind them. But they want something to cheer about. Yeah. But we, I mean, I keep doing that. I know the players are trying to do it. They're not trying to concede, but there's so many games where we're just conceding, you know, so early and it's penalty, it's, you know, two goals and the fact that we wrestled it back. Yeah, actually, well done to the players. And the way they celebrated as well when they got the goals in front of the fans, you know, you know there was a connection there. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah, as you know, it's very easy to say, please don't concede in the first 15 minutes. But we've got to stop that because it just puts us on the back foot where we're struggling for goals. So, John, not, not only is the crowd would be thinking, if you concede early, oh, like we'd all be in the crowd and we'll be thinking, oh, here we go again. That actually would happen on the pitch. He's just mm. like, what, oh, we've conceded already yeah. again. So that, 100%, you can't be giving teams a head start with early goals constantly. I mean, I mean, it's the most obvious statement, but that needs to be eradicated. Absolutely double lively. Yeah. But, uh, okay then. Right, so looking ahead to the Coventry game, Kevin? Um, so you're well, going to be there. How do you see this one going? I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to, do you know what? I think it'll be a tough, tough, tough game. Um, I think Coventry are decent. I'm a bit wary of that centre forward. Hopefully I'll put the mockers on him. Uh, Goy Caress, is that his, I might have uh, pronounced that right. I'm going to go 1-1. John? I'm never going to back QPR to lose. I think Jimmy Dunn's going to get an equaliser in the 93rd minute. Uh, but looking further ahead to 4-1-1, I think Coventry, Norwich and Burnley, they are a set of really tough games that we've got. 
for various reasons. Either they've, you know, flying high in the championship or got something to play for. I think it's going to go down, I'm afraid, to Stoke and Bristol City the last two games. But I'm 1-1 for me on the uh, the weekend. Um, I'm going to try and be optimistic here. Now, I know Coventry are good. They've got some good players. They've got something to play for. But it's Coventry City. It's not Man City. Rangers are at home. They have to win. I think the crowd, there's going to be a big crowd there. I think, you know, in an early start, I'm hoping there's a little bit of confidence, glimmer of confidence on that result at, at the Hawthorns. Um, hopefully, we won't have a repeat of what happened after the Watford game, where, um, you know, they just fell apart and got stuffed up, stuffed up there. Um, I'm going to go Rangers to win. I'm going to go 2-0 win. I think it's going to be a nervy 2-0 win. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we're going to win 2-0. I think that's how I see it going. Um, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm not working, so I'm taking both yeah. my kids. So I'm hoping so. Yeah, I, think, I think it's going to be nervy, whatever happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to be nervy, whatever. Yeah. But, but, but the reality is, as I said to someone the other day, the past 25 years of, you know, Covering or watching QPR, they've either bar about two or three seasons, they've either been trying to go up or trying to stay up. It's never boring, is it? <laughs> you know, it's very rarely it's just been a, a season of mid-table nothingness. You know, it's a, uh, you know, I mean, I, I remember talking to an Ipswich fan on holiday a couple of years ago, and he went, "Oh, QPR," and I was like, "Oh yeah," and we're doing terrible. But yeah, well, you're so lucky though. You know, you've been in a Premier League, you've been in playoff finals. You know. We don't do anything. We're just mid-table in the championship. We don't do anything. We're never going to go up. We're never going to go down. We just and then they went down that season. <laughs> but so it's, careful what you wish for. But you know, right? You know, it'd be it's unthinkable to think of QPR getting relegated, particularly in a you know in a league where teams are under transfer embargoes and are um, being docked points, neither of which affect QPR. So you know, I mean, the thing is, the good thing is, it's in their own hands, isn't it? You know, they're not sort of four points adrift at the bottom. You know, they've got a tiny bit of breathing space there. Um, there are teams in that area playing against each other. So that's going to be teams dropping points to one another. You just, you know, if they can just build on that on Saturday, and I, and I think they can. I think there was a, it, it felt like a bit of a winning draw at West Brom. I think had it been the other way around, they'd have been tuned up and drawn two all. I think the mood would have been very, very different. So I'm hoping they can build on that and, you know, bring bring some happiness and relief to Loftus Road because it's it's certainly much needed because it's been pretty thin gruel for you know well really the last sort of twelve months really isn't it? So there we go. Right, thank you very much for joining us, gents, and uh, thank you for watching and listening. And um, hopefully we'll we'll see you next week. But I promise it won't be another month till we do another one of these. And uh, hopefully we'll have better news to talk about when we next see you. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.